Broadway for Thursday, October 11th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway stars James Marino. James, uh, thanks for uh, letting me fly solo yesterday. Uh, fortunately, we're able to connect here on Thursday morning and do the show together. But I had a busy day of theater going on Wednesday, saw the Broadway production of Pretty Woman during the day, and then went over to the public theater and saw Girl from the North Country in the evening. Um, very different shows. Uh, um, <laughs> I will say um, I I will admit that I went into Pretty Woman with not the highest expectations, but I am pleased to report that it, they were thoroughly exceeded, perhaps because I didn't have the highest of expectations. But it was a very enjoyable afternoon at the theater. It was not life-changing theater by any means, but um, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, it didn't you know, it didn't offend me, my sensibilities, either artistic or moral, uh, as much as I thought it might. But I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Tons of fun, tons of talent on that stage. Then when I went downtown to see Girl from the North Country, I'm still not exactly sure what I saw. But I know that it was incredibly good and the talent is phenomenal. I kind of – and I haven't – I tried not to read or listen to a ton of the reviews of it because I – I, I knew I was going to see it and I didn't want to be impacted by that. But to me, it struck me very much like an O'Neill play. I mean, it, it, it read to me like O'Neill um, in, in a lot of ways and maybe even a little Iceman cometh in there. Um, but then everything changes in the last 30 seconds for me. And I think <laughs> when you see it, um, James, perhaps because of – I don't know. Maybe you'll get it or not. I I, I don't know. But it, you'll get the same thing. I went with our friend Julie Musback. She did not pick up the same vibes that I was getting at the end. So maybe it was just my specific upbringing of 12 years of Catholic school that impacted me there. But um, I loved it. I'm I'm still ruminating on it. And uh, in fact, I'm going to be talking with Mark Kudish about it here in a couple of days. So that conversation will be here on Broadway Radio. But um thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it and i can't wait for it to be on broadway at the walter kerr here next season or this season <laughs> the spidey senses were tingling huh oh yeah uh-huh well you know why you got to keep kuda show to yourself you know <laughs> i'm sorry you haven't seen the show yet you, you haven't seen it yet no that's true that's true i uh, will see it soon all right uh so Let's get right into the news. First up in the news, In the Heights film finds a familiar face for Usnavi. For Usnavi. Yes, they do. Uh, James, as we've talked about over the years, the film adaptation of In the Heights has had its ups and downs through its developmental process, most notably through the turmoil with the fall of the House of Weinstein, as it has emerged now with Warner Brothers and is slated to be released on my birthday, June 26th of the year 2020. Writers Lin-Manuel Miranda and Chiara Alegria Hoodies are working on the film along with Crazy Rich Asians director John M. Chu, who yesterday reportedly found found his star and it's one with a history of playing the role as Anthony Ramos will step into the role of the bodega owner on the big screen. Now Ramos never was in the Broadway production of Heights, but he did originate the dual role of John Lawrence and Philip Hamilton in Hamilton and then played Usnavi in the Kennedy center concert production uh, that we've talked about. I don't know. Was that earlier this year or late last year? I can't remember um, of the show uh, opposite Vanessa Hudgens, Anna Villafane, Eden Espinosa and more. So we actually have video of, of him in the rehearsal room and B-roll of him in the role before. Now, James, I think this is 
great that they kept the casting of this role in the family, so to speak. Uh, I think with the success of Choose Crazy Rich Asians, which did not really have any well-known names, that this adaptation of In the Heights might be the first major studio stage-to-screen musical adaptation that primarily casts performers that could actually do the roles on Broadway. We, we talked about this quite a bit, that while they have get talented people for these big budget musicals, generally they're folks that are not exactly right for it if they were going to do an eight-show-a-week run on Broadway. Uh, and I don't think that they're not going to get any big names for, for this film. But it seems to me that they might actually be able to, because of the power of Lin-Manuel Miranda at this point, they might actually be able to do this with folks that are actually right for the roles for the first time. Did I tell you, I, I don't know if we talked offline, um, do you know who brought Anthony Ramos's attention to me? Um, I don't think so, no. Uh, he is uh, my daughter Charlotte's favorite person in the Hamilton cast. The really? Hamilton cast. She was like... Fair. I, and I had no real, I mean, there was so much, uh, it was an embarrassment of the riches up on stage there in the original cast of Hamilton and subsequent casts, I should say, as well. But uh, I really didn't know Anthony at his work at all, and um, and Charlotte kept on pointing him out to me. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, maybe she needs to be a talent scout. Jeez, yeah. that's pretty good. I, yeah, that was uh, two years ago or so that it was uh, nice. pointed it out. All right, so uh, just twenty twenty seems so far away. It's oh. not. It's not. It's less than two years. I mean, that means that they're going to start filming next year. Oh, that's true. You know, it's it's not that far I away. Guess Nineteen is just only two months away. Or so. Exactly. Yeah, two and a half months, and we're in twenty nineteen. Which, man, that just blows your mind. I just finished my twenty seventeen taxes the other day. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, so uh, reminder out there: personal taxes are due October fifteenth, which is Monday. So, uh, and uh, if you're if you're if you're not registered to vote, you need to register to vote. Mm-hmm. That's coming up soon. That's uh, today or tomorrow in New York. And check your local jurisdiction for registering to vote as well. All right. Speaking of 2020. So uh, coming up in the theater news, what do we have? Okay. When I say theater news, James, I mean like the literal buildings. Yeah, the building. theaters, not just general theatrical news. But I teased this a little bit yesterday. But we've got three stories about New York theaters that I wanted to share. First up is one you sent over to me. Um, it's from Mark Hirschberg uh, at, at Forbes. And, and he reported about a lawsuit that's currently making its way through the court system that involves – the August Wilson Theater. Apparently, just about three years ago, while the new high rise next to the theater, um, which is on the side of the old Roseland Ballroom, was going through construction to be turned into fancy pants apartments, which just, I guess, opened this week. Um, Construction workers removed part of the building's foundation, which I didn't know was a thing that you could do, resulting in major damage to the August Wilson next door. Cracks reportedly were found in the orchestra, mezzanine, lobby, and bathrooms, and even the exterior wall of the August Wilson. Drew Jamson, which owns the theater, filed an insurance claim, which uh, ended up being for about $4.7 million to fix the damage. And now 
Ju Jamson's insurance company is suing the Roseland Development Associates for failing, quote, to maintain and or use the worksite in a safe and proper manner so as not to create or permit their contractors or agents to create any conditions which resulted in an unreasonable risk of harm and or property damage. Apparently, the Wilson is in good shape now, James, as they have been packing them in every night over at Mean Girls. But I'm honestly a little surprised that stuff like this doesn't happen more often with how tightly the buildings are packed in Midtown, how old some of those buildings are and how, I don't know, creative that construction, you know, contractors and stuff have to be to get their equipment in. Like, I'm kind of surprised that we don't hear about this more. Maybe it happens all the time and we just don't hear about it because it doesn't always happen to theaters. But it just seems like I'm shocked that construction doesn't damage other buildings more often. Um, it does. We just don't hear about it. <laughs> uh, it, Fair. it's, it's, it's totally insane. And, uh, and, uh, but at least, have you ever heard about the Millennium Tower in San Francisco? Uh, I don't believe so. It's this big, huge high rise, uh, that is leaning and, uh, people who bought, uh, <laughs> bought <laughs> apartments in the tower won't go live in them because they're afraid it's going to fall over. I mean, it, this stuff happens and it's important to know math. Math is important. The uh, yeah. engineers. Nah. nah. Yeah. It's important <laughs> for engineers, not important for us normal people. But All right. Uh, so going from damaged foundations to lifting foundations, oh. what's uh, happening over on the Broadway side? Yeah, this one's another one that's going to be interesting. But anyway, before hopefully nothing, knock on fake wood that's this desk in my hotel room. Um, yeah, earlier this week, we got a bit of a look inside the Palace Theater as it begins its renovation process. The New York Post's Johnny Oleksinski, Johnny Oleksinski, there, that sounds about right. Um, he got a picture of the theater and all of the seats have been ripped out of the venerable house, James. Um when you put when you think of the plan for the space to raise it 29 feet in the air, I'm I'm now, you know, I'm I'm not convinced that something is not going to go wrong like it did with the August <laughs> Wilson. Um, uh, you know, it's a completely different animal. But the estimated timetable on this is about three years, which means we're going to be presumably without a show in the Palace Theater for three years, which really sucks, uh, you know, in terms of houses when we have so many shows that want to come into Broadway and already don't have places to go. But I just feel like as, as like you said, I mean, things happen all the time. We know construction, whether it's on a house or some super detailed plan to raise a theater 30 feet in the air, it's going to take longer than they anticipated. So I, I'm just bracing myself now to not have something in that space until like, you know, 2023, 2024, and that it's just going to take a lot longer than we anticipate, which really is a is is a bad thing for Broadway. I mean, probably going to be a lot, you know, a, a still a good thing for the owners of that space. But I think it's it's we got to brace ourselves to not have that space available for a long time. Uh, were you uh, following theater at the time? I, I can't remember exactly when it was when Disney moved the new Amsterdam down the block. Um, I don't think I remember that. They just picked it up and moved it? Yeah, it was on the other side of, uh, it was more towards 8th Avenue, and they picked it up and rolled it down the block. Um, I, I, the entire I, 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 theater. I, I, 
the yeah. entire theater was, you know, a couple of hundred feet. And so it's possible to lift, move, things like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's totally insane the, what you can do. Yeah, but math. math. Well, I was going to say it's yeah. Disney, though. They have magic, yeah, so they, they can do things differently. They had Tinkerbell fly over and sprinkle <laughs> pixie dust on it. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, yeah, so finally in this section on Monday, Michael Paulson of the New York Times – that was really good. Um, Michael Paulson of the New York Times had a nice look at a new program in which the city will, quote, give grants to off-Broadway and other small theaters to install software that will allow patrons to follow along with low-light smartphones and tablets. According to NYC's Commissioner of Media and Entertainment, Julie Minnan, the new program is part of an effort to make theater more widely available. She said, quote, we think it will increase audiences at independent theaters throughout the city, and it's incredibly important for people who are deaf or blind. Now, James, again, I'm not going to question the city, and I'm not going to say that I am cynical about this in any way, shape, or form. But over the years on this very show, we have spoken uh, about various lawsuits brought by certain perhaps unscrupulous individuals who did not think that certain theaters were doing their legal best to be accessible to patrons who are either deaf and or blind uh, to whatever varying degrees. I'm hopeful that this program will help address that um, to some reason, you know, or, you know, to some level. Um Especially because they're, it looks like they're they're going to be helping out smaller theater companies that might not have the funds or the donors to be able to do this on their own. But to me, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm just you know assuming the worst. I think this is probably the city trying to help out these theaters because they know they can't do it on their own, and they're really just trying to protect some of the the tax dollars that goes along with them because they know if someone decides to sue these smaller theaters, it could end up hurting the city long term. But I think it's good. I just am. Uh, I'm, I'm always a little suspect when anybody in government does anything positive like this for somebody else. <laughs> well, Matt, you should get over to Vote Save America and register to vote. And make sure that uh, your voice is heard. <laughs> yeah, very good. We'll put a link in the show notes. <sighs> okay, Matt, what else do we need to talk about? Okay, just a few stories before we send you off into your Thursday. First, yesterday, Jason Danielly, who still it's a crime that he doesn't get to sing more in Pretty Woman. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. He announced a special memorial for his late wife, Marin Maisie. The celebration of Maisie's life will take place at the Gershwin Theater on October 25th, beginning at 1.30 p.m. for friends, family, and the theater community at large. There will be performances and testimonials from loved ones and theater colleagues. In a statement, Danieli said, quote, I wanted to toast Marin in a Broadway theater surrounded by people who loved her since she spent so much of her life on stage and loved this community so much. We are all still very much in mourning, but I know Marin would want us to celebrate, sing, and even laugh. And that's what we intend to do. I have no doubt that this will be a very, very special event to everybody who gets to attend, James. Next up. Oh, go ahead. Did you want to say something? No, I just how nice it is. Yeah, it's great. So um, anyway, next up, while we were recording this show at the stroke of 8 a.m., the Roundabout Theater Company announced that they had extended the original Broadway production of Bernhard Hamlet starring Janet McTeer. The show, which was slated to close on November 11th, will now play through the 18th. Speaking of extensions, yesterday Waitress announced that current stars Nicolette Robinson and today uh, Today Show weatherman Al Roker, well, still funny to me, uh, will extend their runs in the show coincidentally also through November 18th. James, that date is 
awfully close to uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, do you think that there might be a uh, an upcoming announcement about a big name taking over the show through the holidays, maybe a Borellis return or anything like that? I was just thinking maybe Bernard Hamlet would march in the parade. <laughs> I don't know that that would really be the the most likely <laughs> theater thing to be a part of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. But <laughs> uh, So I think, uh, you know, the Sarah Bareilles thing, maybe she'll come back a little bit. That'd be really wonderful. Yeah. I, mean, I just think that date is so close to yeah. if you're not going to bring somebody big in, I would think they'd just have Nicolette stay through the holidays. But yeah. I guess maybe she still could. Maybe they're still working on that. But well, maybe but she's we got see. other commitment. Yeah, could be, could be. Uh, anyway, next, over in London yesterday, there was a press event, which um, our, our friend John uh, Schwab from the Curtain Call podcast was at. But um, for the upcoming European premiere of Come From Away, the show will first play Dublin, Ireland, uh, not Dublin, Ohio, um, from December 6th through January 19th before they head to London, where it will play the Phoenix Theatre beginning on January 30th of 2019. Rachel Tucker of Wicked Fame on both sides of the Atlantic will lead the company as Captain Beverly Bass at all. We will have the complete UK casting list for Come From Away in the show notes at broadwayradio.com. And finally, James, it's not a Broadway return like uh, I think a lot of fans would hope following her short turn in the Color Purple revival. But Tony and Grammy winner Heather Headley will release an album entitled Broadway My Way. Uh, the official release date hasn't yet been announced, but you can buy it on her upcoming tour. Uh, the album will feature renditions of Somewhere Over the Rainbow, Home, She Used to Be Mine, speaking of Waitress, Heather Headley would be great there, um, as well as For Good from Wicked, which we will have a preview of in the show notes, as well as songs from uh, The Lion King and Aida, which she obviously originally starred in on Broadway. So she is one of those singular talents that I don't think we've gotten enough of over the years. So I'm very much looking forward to this album. All right, Matt, before we get out of here... Uh... Have you uh, spoken to the family down in uh, Florida? How are things? Fine. We are so – my whole family is so far inland in central Florida. They are fine. Got some heavy rains uh, on Wednesday, yesterday, but totally fine there. It's the folks who are up in the panhandle closer to places like Destin and Panama City that yeah. um, are, are going to have a, a, a quite a bit of a picking up to do. And, and hopefully everybody who's listening, if you've got friends and family in the area or if you are in the panhandle area, not just in Florida but also in Alabama and perhaps even into Georgia, I hope everybody is is safe and sound and whatever damage – uh, has been done is is you know physical to you know non people type things because uh, uh, it, it seems like that was a pretty nasty storm that went through. Yeah, I've seen some uh, devastation on this morning's news on Thursday morning's news, uh, mostly physical damage and not a lot of uh, reports of people getting harmed. And uh, the physical damage is is quite dramatic. Uh, perhaps. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda will go down there and have a concert to race, you know, (laughs) Hamilton, you know, sit down with Lin, you know, maybe in Floribama. (laughs) Floribama, the Redneck Riviera. No, we shouldn't say that after a storm. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. There's this really great bar on the in Floribama. It's right on the beach there. We, we stopped there. Had a lot of fun there. You ever been there? Uh, no. No. I generally go to the Gulf Coast just because it's closer. 
like the like yeah. the Tampa Clearwater area because it's only like an hour and a half, two hour drive. Yeah, we were in Pensacola driving over to New Orleans. So we stopped in Florabama. That's so uh, it was yeah. a lot of fun. All right, my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us. And uh, Matt's going to get on a plane and get back to Florida. And uh, hopefully, he and I will talk to you again tomorrow. We'll be right back.